What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and welcome to episode 88 of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. Today's episode is titled Localization and Cultural Customization of Digital Content. Thanks for watching us on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter, or if you're listening us to us via download later on. Thanks for downloading and listening to us on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. The list goes on and on and on. Wherever you listen to a podcast, I'm going to be there. Just search Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments, and that's where you can listen to all of our new content. We have lots of content coming out today on the audio format, so make sure you tune in and ring the bell notification and subscribe to those channels because you don't want to miss a single episode of content that I'm pumping out. Uh, But do me a favor, if you're watching this on social media, go ahead and follow, like, and share these platforms on social media The bell notification at the bottom right-hand corner will notify you when we go live. I go, uh, I bring on about four to five guests per week to bring you the greatest minds in the Amazon and e-commerce space. And today's no exception, but you don't want to miss any of those episodes live because this is a live show. We we actually invite our audience to ask questions if they have something specific on their mind or if they want clarification. We will see those and we will be able to answer those live here on the air. If you happen to uh, miss us live on uh, the show, you can obviously ask your questions and just tag myself uh, or my guest in social media, and we'll be able to answer those questions from there. That being said, a little bit about our guest today. I'm really excited because this is not somebody who who frequents the uh, space and where a lot of influencers and experts in the space are typically running around on YouTube. He's actually a doctor and professor at St. Louis University, so I'm going to go ahead Quickly introduce you, he is uh, currently an assistant professor of international business at the Boeing Institute of International Business at the Richard Shevitz School of Business in St. Louis University. His research areas of interest include international e-business strategy, localization, and cultural customization of digital content. The application of AI in international business and the political economy of international trade and finance. Wow. Mouthful for me saying that, but just so much information from there. Uh, he is actually also the author of several statistical programs, scholarly ar- uh, articles, a textbook, a book, uh, a book chap, multiple book chapters, and he has also provided consulting services on e-commerce and e-business strategies to several companies and organizations around the world. His research efforts have been supported by grants from Qatar National Research Foundation, the Shevitz School of Business, and St. Louis University. Uh, He also holds a PhD in policy analytics and administration, specializing in global trade policy, a a professional MBA with emphasis in international business and finance, an engineering degree in applied statistics. I feel like not the smartest person in the room, but I am very happy and fortunate to have Dr. Ben Mamoon of uh, St. Louis University on the podcast today. Dr. Uh, Mamoon, welcome today. Well, having me here. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. That That is quite the resume builder if I've ever seen one myself. So uh, congratulations on all your success. You. I have personally, uh, to, to be upfront with all my audience and if they've listened to the show before, it's a lot of people who are selling on Amazon or have a service 
uh, industry that is helping people sell and grow on Amazon. You are the first educationally educational scholar I've had on here to talk very much just numbers uh, and what what society is telling you. So obviously, I, I read your resume, but for people who 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 either do know you, have heard of you, or just want to know a little bit more how you got into this space. What was that journey for you to to kind of get into this international localization? Um, you know everything that you're studying and even teaching now. Yeah, I mean it was a, quite an interesting journey. First of all, it started with where I was born. Uh, I was born in a city that is very international. We have tourists come in from all over the world on a daily basis. People in my hometown they will speak so many languages, and I'm one of them as well. Um, and where where are you Where are you from? By the I way, I am originally from Morocco. Okay, Morocco. Um, and cool. I was born in a city that was uh, actually uh, conquered by the Romans at one time. So we have a lot of touristic monuments and stuff. So that was my first encounter. So I was on daily basis actually interacting with people uh, from uh, various parts of the world. Uh, and then when I got into my degree, my degree was mostly on the uh, on, on statistics, uh, the decision science. Then I dis I was, you know, my degree helped me a little bit read the market and read what businesses are looking for. So I worked with the Chamber of Commerce and the Chamber of Commerce opened my eyes into the world of, uh, you know, business and stuff like that. But mostly I was assigned to work internationally. And and all it, at that time in the 90s, it was mostly on e-commerce at the Mediterranean level. So that was my first interaction with e-commerce and uh, uh, traveling around the world, working on this area as well. Um, so then I decided after that, I said, you know what, if I really want to succeed, I really have to push the agenda a little bit and get an MBA. So I got my MBA and I wanted to focus on something that's, uh, that I feel I am comfortable with, which is the, my international business experience. But I'm also interested in finance. I like numbers coming from statistics. So I got into the currency stuff and, um, and I was, I, I, I'm very blessed. Thank God for it because all these elements came together on e-commerce because you cannot talk about e-commerce without talking about the financial aspect, the business aspect, cultural aspects. So all these things came beautifully together. Then I, on my PhD, I decided, you know what? I am so much focused on the business side of it. What about the government side, the policy side of it? So I decided to focus my, my doctoral degree on a policy analysis, which is also like the statistical part of policies. And once again, I focus on international trade and international e-commerce again to see what the policies, uh, what kind of policies the governments are doing, what international organizations are doing. So all these things, this package came together. It was mostly a read in the market. And this is advice for students who might be listening. Uh, you need to read the market to see which degree you want to, 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 to have. Uh, you cannot just go blindly and start saying, you know, you, sometimes you go with your emotion. That's good things. So to get the passion for it. But at the same time, you need to be realistic where the market is heading. And then like I, I was updating my skills as well uh, over time because, uh, yes, I do programming on statistics. I do programming also on web design. But at the same time, I realized really early and I was lucky to do that. That, that artificial intelligence is going to be the future. Everything is going to be automated, even web design. So I embrace that level. So the Jungkook School of Business, what I'm teaching right now, uh, in, my, in my point of view, is one of the best, you know, at giving faculty a lot of leeway on, on, on changing content based on the market. So what I did, what we did, 
we probably we are one of the only probably we are the only university in the US that teach an international e-business course with cultural customization and localization. We teach students how to design a website that is localized, how to teach mobile apps for uh, that are localized. So the university also gave me this uh, freedom you know, on applying this and also giving it to students. And, and, and it was a great experience because a lot of my students got a job on this area, which is show you that the market is responding to this kind of degrees. Absolutely. So you, you were looking at data and you saw, you kind of used numbers and where lots of people were flocking to ahead of the time. You, you saw it back in, you know, when you were, you were a child, when you were growing up, and now people are really starting to take e-commerce not just as a luxury, but now it's it, it's a necessity. Correct? Um, you're you're specializing not just in the United States, clearly, but in other countries around the world. Here mm-hmm. in the United States, we we implement, especially on Amazon or in e-commerce, a lot of it, a lot of tools, a lot of tips, or a lot of things get released here and then slowly get released out into the world. Where are your specific um, degrees of uh, your areas of expertise in the world for for people who may not know like localization can happen everywhere do you do you particularly focus on a certain part of the world yes absolutely actually i started my focus on the middle east uh, because of my family familiarity with the region um uh, and also uh, you know the language skills i have i speak arabic i speak french as well a little bit of spanish but english and uh, english and um, you know, uh, English, French, and Arabic are very popular in the uh, in, in in the Middle East. When I say the Middle East, by the way, I include North Africa. So North Africa, okay. the MENA region, North Africa and the Middle East. If you go to Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, they speak French, uh, as well as the second lang- uh, as the second language or third language. And then you have um, yeah, then you have countries in the Middle East is mostly Arabic and English. So having those language skills has made my life easier. Uh, I went to the region, I did research in the region, I collected information. And also, just to, uh, to exp- we're going to be talking about localization, of course. Localization is adapting your website or your digital content, whether it's a website or an app or a software, or whatever you design, is adapting it to the, to, to the locale where you are doing business. It, it, that includes culture, politics, everything. Um, and, and so... I did a lot of research in the Middle East on the political, economic, and the business side. So the e-commerce, the, the, the switch to e-commerce side was easy for me, because when I uh, because when I say that you have to customize your website, well, you need to understand if you're going to create a website, let's say in Saudi Arabia, you better understand how what are the policies for web desi- for for web content or digital content in general in Saudi Arabia. There are some pictures you cannot post. There are some contents you cannot talk about. You see what I mean? So each country has its own restrictions and its own moral values and its own cultural values and even colors, for instance. For example, people in that region have specific, uh, uh, have, have specific love to certain colors for religions or cultural reasons. So you have to understand those as well. So for the Middle East, being, uh, being originally from North Africa, from Morocco, and also with a lot of uh, with the history of uh, research about the Middle East, that made my life easier to start with the Middle East on localization. However, I am expanding a little bit further uh, to other markets, uh, and my next destination will be actually Africa because Africa is becoming the next frontier in international business. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Africa is definitely a nation. That in South America, a lot of people haven't cracked. I, I say cracked. They haven't been able to figure out. Again, I've, I think a major part is probably localization and culturalization just because of, like you said, there, there's so many assets that you have to think about. Here in the United States, none of that really truly, I think, affects us too much in, in, in terms of like uh, whether it's religious aspects or color. None of that, I think, applies on a, in a more forefront unlike other cultures around the world. And you made even a point of like colors with certain products. So when, when businesses are coming to you and they're saying our expertise is not in these areas, you, you gave a short laundry list. You said color, you said uh, picture. What are the other kinds of assets that you have to look at almost like a checklist, if you will, of making sure that these are all compliant so that you don't either offend or you don't offend one way, but also you can stand out in the other. Actually, there are so many areas. I just mentioned a few examples. And also just to, um, I talked to so many businesses here in the U.S. and they assume that localization and cultural customization is only for international audiences. Actually, that's a misconception. Okay. Uh, because we have a lot of ethnic groups here in the U.S. For example, one of the sure. most powerful, a powerful actually uh, segments in the U.S. is the Hispanic community. And Hispanic community, they speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese as well. Well, that community have a very strong purchase power. They shop a lot online. However, they are not, they are different in terms of uh, consumer behavior. So even when you design a website targeting, for example, that community, you will have to adjust your website. I am from St. Louis area. And in St. Louis, we have the largest Bosnia community in the world after Bosnia. The largest really? in the world after <laughs> Bosnia. Okay. They are, they, they are dominantly Muslim, you see? So mm -hmm. here, you, let's say you design a website targeting, let's say you, you are, for example, Walmart or Schnucks or whatever, targeting St. Louis audience, you might want to take into consideration that there are some different ethnic group. It could be the Bosniak community, it could be the Jewish community, it could be any other community, or the Indian community or the Pakistani community. So when you design your website, you have to keep that in mind. Let's say, for example, Next week, we're going to have Ramadan, which is the holy month for Muslims. If I was advising, if I was consulting right now, Walmart or Schnucks or Target, it will be smart on their website right now to put some segments targeting that audience. That's going to increase loyalty. That's going to increase your marketing appeal. Unfortunately, many businesses, they don't have that mindset. They, they, they still have not embraced localization and they haven't also captured the the the, the powerful marketing value of doing it. For example, you know, a Muslim audience, which is big in St. Louis, for instance, when they see that a company is actually caring about their faith and caring about the celebration they will be celebrating in next month, that's going to help a lot with, uh, with the customer loyalty and even purchase intention. So, 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 so here when, when I'm talking about um, cultural customization and localization, it, 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 it could be anything that will impact consumer behavior, whether it's color, whether it's religion, whether it's also the, the political environment as well. Here's one example. Let's say you want to target the Asian market. And then let's say you have business in China and you have business in Taiwan. Okay, good. Well, here is, if you design your website without paying attention to the political issues between Taiwan and China, you might get yourself in trouble. You might create controversy. Let's say, for example, you decide to use flags. 
if you put the flag of Taiwan on your website, well, guess what? The Chinese government is not going to happy with you because they don't recognize Taiwan as an independent state. So those are just an example. Uh, let's say, for example, in the case of Canada, if you design websites only in English, well, you're going to offend a huge segment that speak French. Uh, morality, for instance, if you target, uh, for example, when I was the Middle East doing research, I was totally shocked that some corporations actually did even do their homework that the region is very sensitive to some 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 moral issues. And then on their website, uh, they use celebrities that might not be seen in a positive lenses in some countries in the Middle East, especially the conservative segments of society. So we have to be careful with that. Translation. I, I saw websites on my research that they use Google Translate or they use some software for translation without paying attention to the just an automated translation could back could could actually backlash uh, because sometimes there are some words if translated might sound in, uh, not appropriate in some cultures. So you better hire somebody who know the local language, the local linguistics and the translation equivalence before you even engage on putting stuff on your website. Uh, it happened to Microsoft. It happened to several corporations. They will put a statement in English. They translated with through some to save money by some uh, application. And guess what? That application didn't realize that the word, the, the translation, they didn't come up right. Let's not go far. Let's take, for example, in British English and American English. There are some words that don't mean the word that don't mean the same things in both countries. It's just an example. So. That being said, that that's a very that's a very inclusive mindset, which which obviously is what lots of businesses are trying to strive for, and especially at a Fortune 500 level company, you have to appeal to all those different markets. Positives is that you are you're highlighting these different cultures, these different buying powers that be, and you're and you're catering to them in various different capacities. Plus, in that regards. Can you take it a step too far or is there a negative or I should say, if you're, if you're a company and trying to include everyone, how is it, there can be a lot of different ways and paths you can go down like religious or culture or, uh, you know, uh, men, women, like you, you can get as basic as that. Where, what are the ones that businesses on that level have to appeal to consistently? Uh, because you can say like the Bosnia, uh, community in St. Louis, to me, that's a very specific mindset that if I'm Walmart on a national level or an international level, I'm not going to build out a tab that just says the Bosnia community of St. Louis, you, like obviously of St. Louis. But that being said, what, what are the ones that your research is showing that you have to at least include on a consistent level internationally across the board? Yeah, 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 that's a good question. Um, well, first of all, before I jump into uh, answering that question, first of all, as a company, you need to ask yourself, do you need to localize? Okay. That's the first question you need to ask first. Correct. Let's say, for example, you are Apple. You are a global brand. Honestly, 99% you don't need to, to localize uh, because iPhone is an iPhone everywhere. An iPad is an iPad everywhere. Yes, you can localize your content on the phone, but the hardware itself doesn't need to go that route. You see what sure. I mean? So, for example, their websites can just be a standard website. However, let me show you an example. Now, if you decide to localize, you decide to localize. If you see it, you do some cost benefits analysis. 
because it's expensive. Localization, it's really demanding. However, the reward is also huge when you do it right. Um, you mentioned, for example, the Bosniak and stuff. You have to ask yourself, am I targeting a national culture or I am targeting or I'm segmenting by a region or whatever? Depending on the size of the region, you see what I mean? So sure. this is, for example, in the case of the Middle East, one of the questions I was asked was by a Forbes 500 company, should we target the whole Middle East or should we target every country separately? Uh, when I look at the, first of all, I did the months of research on their products itself that they are offering. And I realized in terms of consumer behavior, yes, it could be a product that's Moroccans or Saudis or somebody from Egypt all consume. I said to him, if I were you guys in this case to save money, why not just make it in Arabic? Don't specify, make it in Arabic. And uh, however, the only issue you're going to be dealing with, your localization is going to be a very, very limited localization based on the currency. Let the consumer choose the currency based on the country where they are. In Morocco, they're going to use dirham. And for example, in, in, uh, in, in another Middle Eastern country, they're going to use dinar or whatever the currency they have. Correct. So, but you don't have to, to localize everything. Just folk, just make it a, what we call pan-Arab market. So, okay? with, yeah. With that being said, is there is there a starting point like at you as a business? You said let the product lead the way. Is, is that kind of the first step? Absolutely. First of all, yeah, you need to see whether your product is is, is it, first of all standardization is the cheaper option because you standardize for all the consumers. But you can only do that when your products, for instance, is a global is a is a global brand, is a global product that every consumer can use. However, let's say, for example, you are off. Uh, let me show an example here. Let me share with you the screen if you sure. don't mind. Yeah, no problem. And for people listening, I'll, I'll be more than happy to to describe it along the way. And we'll make sure if we link out to this, we'll link to the YouTube video. So if you want to look at this in real time, yeah, uh, Dr. Momo, yeah, all you have to do is yeah, click the share button. But for, for those who are people who are joining, we have Dr. Uh, Mamoon from St. Louis University School of Business, and we're talking about localization and customization uh, for different products around the world, especially in e-commerce segment is where we're really focusing as well. So um, if you can't share up, oh, there you go. I just got it in front of you. And uh, yeah, so we're looking at, looks to me as a consumer looking at its first time, KFC, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken website, which, no, I didn't even realize Kentucky Fried Chicken had a website, so this is new to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because the um, uh, the, the this is the uh, the Chinese website for uh, you know. Fascinating. For, uh, so this is is this their corporate website or is this like a e-commerce version where you can order online? Yeah, this the, yeah this is uh, for consumers, uh, and this is actually uh, in China one of the largest e-commerce in the world in the world, if it's not the number one. Um, you know, in China. Actually, uh, many people shop online. Uh, it's a booming business, and KFC realized that. So it will make sense to have a website uh, that is totally specific to the Chinese market. So this is a case, especially when it comes to food, especially when it comes to cuisine, you have to localize. Because uh, here is one example. Uh, my wife, she loves Starbucks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, frankly... I spent over 20 years in this country. I'm still having a problem with the taste of Starbucks coffee. 
I think a lot of people do. Well, I coffee <laughs> coffee's coffee and uh for a lot of people, but I if you drink it enough like uh like you or me, I'm assuming, uh you have spe- specific tastes and actually um yeah, it uh, with Starbucks, it feels like the most what generic version of coffee that you can have and I say generic uh water I say watered down. It depends on what you get. Right. Yeah, I know. And for example, what I'm coming from, we are a tea culture, not a coffee culture. Sure. Even the taste of coffee and tea is different. So I was having a hard time with that. That's why I make all my coffee and tea at home um, instead of drinking it. And even Starbucks, Starbucks realized this. They went overseas with, with, with the standardization. It didn't work. They failed. They failed. They failed in so many countries, in some specific countries because of this, because they did not adjust to to the local culture. Now they start adjusting. Now they start actually applying different uh, menu to different countries and even the design of their shop, they start changing it. McDonald's was so good at this. When they went to India, of course, they're not going to provide beef uh, because of the... uh, Right, of the religious, yeah, religious reasons. Uh, Is it Islam that doesn't... Hinduism. Yeah, Hinduism. Hinduism. Beef. Right. And so, it, it, yeah, you would you would see multiple uh, food pr- food products that were different and only offered in different countries around the world because that that's what the local culture you know demanded and that's how they they catered to it. So you couldn't find like certain products or meals or even portion sizes. That's another thing is that what they also localize is portion sizes around the world depending on who you are here in the United States. The bigger the better in different cultures around the world. They, they portion it out or they have different kinds of meats. Like you said, in India, um, they, being very uh, localized in that regard. So that, that makes that makes sense to me. Is, is food the leader in the space that you would think? Like they have figured it out because they've had to adjust and do it more than e-commerce? Or do you think it's flip-flops? Who, who's the leader in localization and customization? I, I, I don't I don't have the exact numbers, but I will I, I will assume that food, fashion, and stuff will fall in that category. But I don't have the exact number though. Okay. So I don't know which industry. Um, I, but I will take food. Uh, you know, food, even entertainment, especially music and stuff, is also has to be localized. Sure. Um, I mean, um, uh, yeah. You know, I I I I assume those will be the top. Uh, however, if we look at the KFC website. Sure. Even look at, look at the menu again. Uh, I mean, if I click on the menu, um, for example, look, it's also different menu. Look at this food here, for instance, and look at the contents and look at something very special. Look at the color they use, red, which is popular in China. Red, and, and I see a lot more colors, yeah, popping out yeah, with different. Yeah, exactly. uh, and and what I've heard in the you know with mm-hmm. different kinds of experts in the space, picture mm-hmm. has to describe so much more than just. You know, food on a plate it has to uh, call to action. You have all these different ways to like QR codes, uh, different ways to order, you know, meals and whatnot and how it's getting delivered to you. I'm assuming a lot of this other it was that I, I can't tell exactly what that food is down there with Kung Fu Panda, but I do recognize the character of Kung Fu Panda. Is that a bow bun or a uh, it looks like a sandwich of source i, I, can't I mean look, look at the menu it's totally different it, 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 yeah sure. you, i haven't seen this in the u.s but uh, <laughs> at kfc but i mean it's a different menu so this is a pure localization at sure. its best i mean look at the colors they are using they are using panda that's a localization for you 
Sure. Uh, so you, you, that's why I, I want to mention something really important to our audience, though. Please do. Uh, you know, frankly, I don't like the word e-commerce. Okay. I like e-business. E-business. Okay. E-business. So, and, and yeah. Why, why, what's the what's the in that regards? Are you including localization and you know into that because it inevitably commerce is transaction of money, but or goods. Uh, e-business, why, why do you use that phrase more? Well, you know, because when you talk about e-commerce, uh, when you talk about e-commerce, you are talking mostly about the transactions that are happening. I love the term e-business because I want people that run a business online to think about it as a true business, as a tool business setting. It's You're not going to succeed online if your employees are not trained, for instance, on, uh, on dealing with the cultural differences, with consumer behavior. Uh, you know, many people, they just assume, oh, I'm going to go online. I I'm going to start an online business. All I need is just create a website. They jump straight into buying a, a hosting account and they start designing the website. They hire a guy somewhere in the world or even here in the U.S. to design the website, not taking into consideration the target audience and what is their cultural background. You see what I mean? So that's why e-business should be more than that. You also need to change even the organizational structure to see who's going to deal in with customer service, who's going to be dealing with the uh, the financial aspects, with digital payments and stuff like that. So it's just it's more than that. You need also to have somebody who's going to be dealing with the uh, the digital content culturally, politically, geographically, etc., 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 etc. So you have to have a strategy, and you have, a, for instance. Uh, many people will get surprised and say, um, many organizations, uh, for example, a few weeks ago, I, I have a meeting with the school and they want me to give them some advice on how to design their website. And so little total surprise, I didn't mention anything about the hosting account. I didn't mention anything about the web about how the website's going to be designed. All my question was, oh, by the way, who's your target audience? What is their age? Um, which which cultural background are are they all Americans? And the uh, the principal asked me, uh, can I ask a question? What does this have to do with what we are doing? We are just posting. I say, well, it, you need to understand your audience before you design your website, and even the color of the website, the templates you're going to be using, and then let's go back to your staff. How many staff is going to be updating your website? So those questions are very important before you even engage on e-commerce. I mean, look at the dot-com bubble. The dot-com bubble, when it happened, only if you survive. Who survived? The one that have an e-business strategy. They have an all-out view of e-business of, of, of e with their own departments. Because if you leave, I'm sorry, no insult to IT people. If you leave your e-commerce venture only to the IT people, you're not going to go far. Except if your IT people have some managerial skills. So you so, need to have, it. yeah. When, when so for a lot of people who listen to the show, they are in e-business, and we'll use that phrase. I'll try to implement it from here on out because I, I do like that. I think that's more inclusive phrase in terms of including your target audience, but then also how you can be inclusive into other potential audiences as well. And that and that's the struggle I think with a lot of people in our space, I say ours, inclusive of e-business, e e-commerce, doing, you know, selling products and goods and services online. 
a lot of people are trying to figure out how to best talk to local audiences. I know on our website on ping pong payments, we offer different products and suites on different, uh, in different cultures and different uh, languages. So on the top of the page, if you select uh, Chinese market or depending on your IP address, you can get pinged to that different website and it will offer a localized website in different languages, different offerings and products and services that we offer depending on where you are in the world. So that being said, uh, I'm going to give us a little, a nice little check mark for, for being uh, localized in, in our marketplace. Uh, however, if you're in, if you're selling on Amazon, for example, a lot of people who do this, they are selling first in the United States. And then when they try to grow, they look at different marketplaces. You're looking at uh, ones in Poland, you're looking at ones that, that just opened uh, just specific in Amazon. Uh, ones in Australia, you look in around the world in Japan, all these different strategies to talk to these audiences. When you're growing in business, where should me, a business owner, a small business or third party seller go to start really understanding th these are the kinds of concepts or colors or, you know, even as much as like imagery I need to look out for in order to not offend, but also to to grow my business in the right way moving forward in those local marketplaces? Very good question. Um, the, the first starting point is actually look at, um, uh, for example, if we, if we, let's say you target China. The first starting point, look at Chinese companies that are very known and look at their website, how it's designed, just to get an idea and compare it to yourself, to your own website, see how they are designed, how is the content is designed. Uh, when it comes to translation, you need to have a translation expert that know, for example, the Chinese markets, for instance, and look at your website and it will give you some hints on some of the content that can be automated, you know, translated, uh, you know, with the with the software application. And one of the content that's where you will have to make some adjustments so you don't offend the consumer. Look at your website as well. For example, we design here at SLU with my colleague. Uh, he's a very known. I mean, if you want to invite another person on this topic, uh, there is a professor. here. At SLU. His name is Nechish Singh. He's one of the top, actually, scholar in this area, by the way. Uh, I learned a lot from him as well. Uh, he has a book on this area as well. I, I, I really encourage uh, the audience to read about his books, Nitish Singh. Um, so, for example, Nitish Singh and I, we, we, uh, and with a colleague in Qatar University, we, uh, we, uh, we worked for four years in the Middle East, especially in Qatar and UAE, to localize to Arabic audience. And at the end, we designed, we designed this, uh, this uh, localization tool. For example, let's say you you're, you have, an, an, let's say, an English website here in the U.S. and you want to go, let's say you want to invest in Saudi Arabia. Our tool will scan your website and show whether your website is appropriate for the Saudi market based on so many cultural markers. We call them markers. So he has a tool. Yeah. To, to, yeah. He has a tool mm -hmm. that will scan your website and make it appropriate just for that specific marketplace or just for the Saudi Arabian market? For all, no, only for the Middle East. Okay. It, it will not give you a full report. The rest, you, we cannot automate everything. Culture is one area where you cannot automate everything. So right. you, what we did is we give you a report. By the way, we are looking to patent this. That's why we didn't publish it yet. So, I was going to say, uh, is there a link I can really send people to? Yeah, unfortunately, have people... <laughs> uh, the lawyer here at SLU told us to wait a little bit. Um, Fair enough. So for, for this localization tool, what it, it does, it gives us it gives, give a corporation a report 
and say, okay, you have to change this, you have to change this, you have to change this. But at the same time, you have to talk to an expert. Um, uh, if, uh, if, if you notice, even both of us are actually, uh, our expertise is localization. However, we worked with a marketing expert in the Middle East to help us with, with the cultural aspects of the Middle East. And that's why I, I encourage corporations that want to do business overseas, first of all, do your own personal homework. Go ahead and look at websites in those foreign countries, how the e-commerce are designed. The second one, get somebody who is an expert on the legal, on the domestic legal uh, environment. Look at your website, look at your activities, look at your shipments and everything, and it will tell you, hey, you shouldn't do this, you should do this. In this country, you will not have this, uh, you will have some legal issues with this kind of contracts online. That's number one. Then get somebody in marketing that know the marketing mix of that country. And we'll tell you, hey, you mentioned this, by the way, earlier, uh, you mentioned this earlier, Ryan, uh, Ryan, when you say that sometimes the way you package your products can be different from one country to another because of the purchase power. For example, here in the US, when you buy uh, ibuprofen, you buy, uh, a, you know, that things with like 20 of them. But in some countries, the only buy is one of them for like uh, 10 cents or something like that because of the purchase power. So you have to change your marketing mix as well. You have the currency issues as well. Are you going to use US dollar? The payment system, you need to work to talk to banks. Here is one example, Amazon. Amazon went to the most soft aftermarket in the world, which is India. India's e-commerce is a battleground between Walmart and uh, Amazon. So far, Amazon has the upper hand. But Amazon, when they went there, they realize one issue, which is the finance. This is your expertise, Ryan, so you know better than me on this level. When they went there, they realized that the payment system they are using in the US is not going to work in India because a lot right. of Indians still use cash. Mm -hmm. So yeah, with that, that, that was a, something that Amazon actually had to figure out and partnered actually with, oh, this was a year or two ago. I think it was with, not Wells Fargo, it was with... Um, it was a local wiring company where you would actually, you can purchase product. This, this is the thing with uh, e-business, right? Is mm -hmm. there's such a, a big sliver of the economy that doesn't have a credit card. How, how do people accept payments online? A credit card. You can't accept, I can't go to, if I only have cash or if I'm, you know, don't have a bank account or if I don't have, I might have a bank account, but I might have like a credit card or a debit card or anything like that. How can I purchase something from an e-business? Mm -hmm. um, something that Amazon did with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it. I, it was, um, it, it was something you see in grocery stores all over the place. Like they have it like a kiosk and whatnot. Um, I, I want to say it's not Wells Fargo, but it's something along those lines where you can actually go to them, purchase it on Amazon, buy via cash, but you would go to a local store within 48 hours, I believe. They would be able to pay off that account via cash uh, and transfer it to an Amazon account and whatnot. So it's all very yeah. unique and different. Uh, how, exactly. You, like you said, India, I, I'm assuming you said, is there a sliver? Of, what, what's the percentage of the market that doesn't have like a credit card? Do you know? I, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's it, it's 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 a big number. It's going to change, of, of course, because India sure. is really growing fat, very fast. And I assume it's going to change, but not not anytime soon, though. Uh, cash is still king in India. Sure. And uh, it, it's a gigantic market that actually on, on pace to even uh, overtake China. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, so it, 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 so 
Amazon, they decide, as you, as you explained, of course, and, and they use cash on delivery. Well, that's cash on delivery. They have to put a whole ecosystem to handle it because there is security issues. You have somebody to go with a motorcycle. Or, I forgot the, the exact name, what they call that, uh, that uh, vehicle that they use for cash on delivery. So they will give the merchandise and the person will pay in cash and stuff like that. And then uh, here is one another area which is interesting. For example, mapping. Here in the U.S., for shipments, if you promise to ship on one day, yes, because the uh, the mapping here in the U.S. is so it's so sophisticated and it's so easy to find. But in some countries, good luck with that. Good luck finding the exact address when you do shipments. Uh, it, it, the system is not highly sophisticated and stuff like that. So Amazon and other corporations, and that's why, by the way, Ryan, I say it's e-business. It's not e-commerce because what you what Amazon has to invest on has nothing to do with the website. It has to do with the, the delivery of the products, the, the shipments of the products, the logistics and stuff like that. And right. Amazon, they are also using their political power as well, you know, to influence, uh, you know, some foreign governments actually to upgrade their infrastructure. They are also uh, helping on this level as well. Yeah, Western Union was the, I, I did a little quick uh, Google search. Western Union is who they partner with. Uh, so that, yeah. that would be going with them uh, sending cash to pay off their account. And like you said, uh, delivering it upon that, but that that's fascinating because I don't think a lot of people think about that as, as e-business grows around the world. We're all fortunate enough. Like you and I, we have the ability for internet connection. We have potentially, you know, probably more often than not a smartphone. We have a digital currency, uh, ability to pay funds, uh, Directly, because there was a point in time not long ago, uh, within the last 20 years, where people were just skeptical to even put in any sort of payment information online, let alone just uh, tapping and everything saved to apps, any sort of like no touchless technology. Now, money has changed, business has changed, but that whole like end of the funnel is the customer. If the customer doesn't have access to one of these, how is your business going to get in their hand? So you can say, I'm only an e-business uh, commodity. I only sell on Amazon. Okay, but how do you get your goods to them in that marketplace? How are you going to accept payment? Are you being, you know, all these different things, which I'm assuming that you, you kind of like touch and even go more in depth on as well. What, what's a good uh, what's a good e-business in your mind that does it? Every single time they're doing it the right way, Um what would be an example in your mind that is the cream of the crop? For the first one that comes to my mind is IKEA. Really? Um, okay. I've been an outstanding. What is that? Yeah, you know, for a long time I've been, um, you know, uh, following IKEA. That company, first of all, when you visit their website, uh, they use what we call, uh, you know, a global uh, gateway page. On that global gateway page, what they have. They um, they have the country. You have to select the country name, okay, from the list. And what's amazing about IKEA, the, the global gateway page, doesn't have the name of countries in English only. It has in the local language. Right. Uh, here is one example. My mom doesn't speak English, okay. Even if my mom goes to the gateway page, she will realize that there is a there is, for example, the Arabic language there. She can read it. On the name of the country, you, you see what I mean. The global gateway page was well designed, and then when every country, the website is not necessarily similar to another country's website. So they designed content based. For example, 
if you go to the Middle East, let's go back to the Middle East, and uh, Ryan, your your expertise is finance. Well, one thing about the Middle East, which is right, uh, right now, is, is, a, is a strong concept, is international, is Islamic finance. Many people in the Middle East who are extremely rich, they don't deal with interest rate. They like they like interest-free transactions because mm-hmm. it's forbidden in Islam to deal with interest rates. So many consumers in that market, they will prefer things that has 0% interest rate. So IKEA was very smart. When I look at their website in, in the Middle East, I noticed that one of their big advertising is 0% on, on the transactions. If you buy something, you can pay over time, it's 0%. That will encourage many Muslims consumers in the Middle East of actually shopping on IKEA. In addition to that, um, yeah, here is one example. Um, uh, the things about this, now this starts you in geolocation. The previous the previous landing page was, yeah, you see that? Yeah, but I had to go. So what I had to do is when I went to their website, it pinged me by IP address. But then what I asked it to do is change my country. And these are the different dot uh, US dot CA dot, you know. Look at in, French. Uh, French. Francais. Francais. Okay. You see that? They didn't say French. They say Francais. Um, so then I, I can I, go directly to, oh, there we go. You see Francais? There we go. go I think click go to. Maybe Russia. Uh, it's going to be on the, uh, 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 so the website. In Canada, yeah. For example, this is Canada. Look, they have the French language as well. Elargissez votre espace extérieur ici. They have different, uh, they have the content. I mean, if you, you go down a little bit, you might even see some pictures that are reflective of the culture in Canada as well. Uh, can you do me a favor? Can you pick, uh, uh, can you pick Saudi Arabia? Sure, we can uh, do that. Let me see if I, oh, I'm going to, I don't speak French, so everyone please, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, here we go. Uh, it's a little bit different. So we have Saudi, I'm assuming Saudi Arabia. Oh, this is the provenances. Okay, interesting. Um, let's go back. Yeah, this is interesting how they've localized it, uh, depending on, uh, you have to actually go to the specific, but you said Saudi, oh, here we go. Maybe it's only allowing me because of my location. Yeah, I was using geolocation. Um, yeah, uh, Saudi. Just click, just click in on Arabic. Talk. Would yes. work? Did you see that? Did you see how they created the uh, the menu item? It's in Arabic, Al Arabiya, Al Arabiya. You see, the yeah. yeah. So yeah, what, which one is is it? Would it be this one or would it be the? Uh, uh, let's, let's, let's select the first one. The first one. No, no, okay. at the top. Yeah, that's one. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Let's go to there. And there, uh, as you said. Uh, is it Rama? Is it Ramadan that's coming up? We have Ramadan is coming. Uh, so this makes more sense that they are featuring. I'm assuming. Uh, again, I'm only going off of pictures, well, so I apologize. You, you, Ryan, you got it. Actually, that's what the, the title say. Fiat muhtara li Ramadan. We have a selection for you for Ramadan. That's what it means. So, in cooking uh, equipment, which I'm assuming is a very much a a family cooking event. Uh, and we're going to feature cooking equipment makes sense in terms of e-commerce of these are the kinds of products and services, whether it's lanterns, whether it's, you know, tableware, um, gold is a very, you know, prominent, um, in terms of prominence, what, what, what is here. So you're talking about the tea, like you said, uh, all this other kinds of equipment, very interesting that, uh, 
like you said, they're doing a very good job of featuring what kind of holidays are coming up and why it's applicable to that uh, culture. Very cool. Uh, can, can you hold on here, Ryan, that picture? Sure. Okay, notice something about that picture. Uh, Saudi Arabia is collectivist culture. And one of my recommendations to so many businesses that go to the Middle East, for instance, use family pictures. Don't use individual pictures. Individual pictures work here in the U.S. For example, here in the U.S., when you talk about uh, the Lakers, what does the media say? What about the websites? What do they say? LeBron, LeBron James, James and the Lakers. LeBron James and the Lakers. It's always the individual. However, in some countries, it works the other way. It's the group first before the individual. If you look at IKEA, what they did here, this is a family picture, the mom and her two children. So that's a family picture. They, this team work in Latin America, work in the Middle East, work in Asia. But in Europe, you can focus on the individual. Uh, can, we do, can we do an experiment and check IKEA, for example, US? Sure. I was just there. Let me go back and see. They flipped it around. They even the the menu is different. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the menu should be because uh, because uh, Hebrew and is it Arabic, right to left. Is it right, right to left, Heather? Yes. Yeah, very see? good point. That's that's a localization as well. I'll be yeah, doc, uh, Dr. Mamon, I'll be passing your class right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we we're talking about United States. Uh, yeah, or, or we do France or France or United whatever you want. United States. Uh, Actually, US. we have IKEA here in St. Louis. So, interesting. So, like, yeah, uh, summer patio. I'm gonna say uh, summertime, yeah, springtime. Exactly. It's warm outside. Exactly. But that's how I read instantly. That's localization. Uh, but then, at the same time, they keep the templates a little bit, so they have some standardization on the templates mm -hmm. so, because it's a global brand. IKEA is a global brand, so they can standardize as well. But the content, they adjust it to every country. Very, very smart design. Yeah, shot uh, by category, I mean, everything is outdoors and everything. Of, outdoor. You know, yep. Yep. Interesting. Very cool. I like that. So, wait, so that being said, um, your 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 focus and expertise, you 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 referred to it a little bit earlier, and I know the kind of the background story. You actually refer your expertise to other Fortune 500 businesses. Um, when doing that, are they approaching you in terms of as a leader in this field because they want to be more inclusive? Like, what, what's that conversation like when a business approaches you and says, this is our goals and objectives? Do they even have that when they're coming with you as like a, a side project or business? Um, can, can you share kind of that process, what that's like? Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, lots of these corporations, first of all, they decided, you know what, we have to enter the Middle East, for instance or we have to enter Mexico or whatever country they are interested on. And the next question, or sometimes it's corporations that are already there, but their website has not been doing well. Actually, sure. most of the cases, corporations that reach out to me or to my colleague, Nitish Singh here, uh, when they reach to us, is mostly the question is, uh, we're not doing well. Our website is <laughs> not getting enough hits. What's my going job on? is on the line. We need help. <laughs> exactly. I, I will tell you, I'm, yeah, I, I will say it here on the media, but... I, I did my I did the homework to my students. I told them you're gonna go to Starbucks website internationally and rate it. These are my students after uh, teaching them this class. <laughs> Actually, Starbucks got almost like D from most of my students in terms of localization. Actually, I contacted Starbucks, but unfortunately, it was very hard to reach out to them. This was like three years ago, though. I'm not sure about now, 
Maybe I should do that homework to my students. Right. Their websites, I, I, I would not be shocked if their websites, of, maybe it changed, of, but I did send them a message on uh, online. I say, your website needs some work. And I told them between parentheses, I'm not looking for financial gain here. I just personal advise that if you really, there is a potential. I mean, it's amazing. I wish I'm a, I wish a Starbucks listened to my advice three years ago when I sent them that message. I hope they did. And if they didn't, they will have regretted. Why? Because during the cor coronavirus, many people start shopping online. Right. So it, it, it's amazing. So most of the time, corporation will come to me with one question. We want to enter that market. What do you suggest we do online? They throw everything at you as a, 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 as a consultant. Uh, and I will, not, I will be honest with you. Uh, it has been challenging because sometimes there is one meeting I had one time with a company when the gentleman who met me was a CEO. But unfortunately, uh, he, he, he had everything set up in his mind how the website should be. But honestly, I have to find a diplomatic way to convince him that I need to talk to his marketing people. Great. It took me one week to convince him about that in a very diplomatic way because what he was asking me is not going to work in that market. He, he is an American guy making decision about a foreign market, but he's not involving his, because he thought web design is just web design, it's just a website. What can we do about it? Uh, by the way, this is not a big corporation, it's a small business. So sure. luckily when I meet with the marketing people, then things start going smoothly because the conversation is was not about the website. The marketing person was not even a web designer or anything. I told him, I don't want to meet with your web designer. I want to meet with the marketing person first. We had that conversation. How, what kind of consumer? How is your product? Can you tell me about your product? How it's consumed? Can I see your manuals? He was surprised when I asked him about the manual. I saw the manual. I say, well, for some countries here in the U.S., Americans still like to do to do things themselves. But in China, because of cheap labor, they don't want to do it themselves. They like somebody to do it for them. And IKEA learned this lesson the hard way when they went to China and they went to Japan. For example, Home Depot fail in China. Why? Because in China, the concept of do it yourself it doesn't work. It's a cheap labor. Here for American, it makes sense. You see what I mean? So I told mm -hmm. them, show me the menu. The menu was in black and white. And it was only a few explanations. I say, well, this, is, this should be localized to the marketing person. I told him, this should be localized. I say, why? Well, I say, well, the country you are targeting is huge on uncertainty avoidance. And they want everything to be clear to them. How to do design this? How to, to put it together? How to consume it? If I were you, I will even create a video for that market. Don't use a printed manual. Use a digital, uh, use actually uh, a video manual. So that, I told that, you this market. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say a lot, of, a lot of people aren't even thinking about when it comes in, in your house, like how are you even describing putting something together, like simple, straightforward pieces. And most of the time it's just that simple picture and it's just language. But you're saying even take it a step further, if someone needs help and support, whether it's go online for, and I, I've actually seen it with certain products, you can actually download the video of how to, um, they'll send like a QR code of, you can choose which language, and how to put it together, and they will walk through step-by-step step in that local language and localize the video content. So I think that's even a step further and above and beyond what 
you know, sellers, but also as e-business kind of evolves, how you can incorporate, you know, that, that customer approach of this is our business. We want to walk you through. If you need a step-by-step approach, that's fantastic. If you just need pictures and more focused on that, or if you need, um, just kind of an edge, like a quick how to put it together process, even as detailed as that is fascinating to me that businesses will have to evolve and grow as e-business grows and develops because it's not go to your local hardware store or or like go to a store and figure it out Mm -hmm. and ask somebody themselves that can, that can be that expert. So, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just want to add something important. So we, I have the conversation with the marketing person and then we invited the web designer and we start talking how to adjust the website to these markets at how to design. Um, because even the web designer doesn't have lots of information how to design the website in the right to left languages from right to left, not left sure. to right. That was a challenge he has to deal with. Uh, and what was interesting was was a comment I made to the web designer that was interesting. Uh, I said to him, do you know that the markets you are going to, many people don't use laptops and desktops. They use cell phones. The uh, smartphone penetration is over 100%, is over 100, which means people have more than one smartphone. People will be shopping on their smartphone. So is your is your website responsive? Correct. Forget about the desktop version. Forget about the laptop version. Look how your website is going to look on a smartphone. So, so this is the conversation that we also had. And as you see here, it, it's e-business. It's not e-commerce. It's more than uh, you have to involve so many people from finance, marketing, uh, and even accounting, by the way, you know, in this endeavor. Absolutely. Just receiving the currency in local forms at, as well, if it's if it's whether it's PayPal or whomever, like you're receiving funds from uh, on a consumer level, you want to make sure that you apply and be inclusive in that regards. My final question for you, um, mm-hmm. Dr. Mamon, is can you over localize to a point of getting in trouble as a business from a PR standpoint? Can you get in trouble from trying to be more inclusive in terms of targeting, because I've seen businesses get in trouble of, hey, we want to really be specific in our ads and how we're targeting demographics. And even Google and Facebook are kind of taking a step back to give such insight into a consumer's behavior or look like audience that they're kind of taking a step back and trying to be more broad in their messaging. It Just because like you can target specific zip codes and almost get in trouble that way of, I'm only targeting my products or services to minority groups or uh, different religious organizations, depending on what part of town you might be in. Is there is there a way to get in trouble from localization? I'm curious absolutely. to hear your thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why you need to have a very deep understanding of the local culture. And there is a new concept right now. It's called hyper-localization. Uh, when you go a little bit deeper than just localization. And, and uh, this is a really great point, uh, Ryan. I, I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, here is one example. Um, when when um, when uh, Starbucks went to Saudi Arabia, um, they have to change the logo because the logo is not accepted in uh, Saudi culture. It's a form of a. Is it a goddess? Is it a Greek god? I forget what goddess I, I, I it's supposed to represent. Yeah, something like that. And it was it was re, um, it was rejected there. And and then guess what? They changed it. However. We live in a globalized uh, market right now. 
whatever you do in one country is going to be on the news in a few minutes or even less. So what happened? Many people were outraged that Starbucks has to make changes, uh, you know, for that local culture. So, um, so um, once again, when, when you look, I mean, here is, I don't want to get into politics in this forum, but sure. if you look at here in the United States, for instance, right now, with all the, uh, there is a racial tension in the U.S. And the corporation right now are so careful how to handle it. Uh, for example, here in the, let's say, for example, about selling guns online. Uh, I, I, I mean, about marketing guns online. I mean, I remember the challenge that Walmart and other uh, retailers were dealing with because there is one side of the U.S., they they think it's a it's part of their freedom and there is another group they say no it's harming americans so now you have two ideologies colliding in the us and it's getting really tense you know as a corporation where are you going to put yourself because you're going to anger one of the, your consumer base there one of them is going to be angry at you so right. that's why and the same happened uh, for example uh, when mcdonald's went to uh, the middle east they have issues between the palestinian and the israelis as well uh, they, they, they find themselves in a dilemma there how to handle this situation where there are two conflicting cultures. Uh, and, and this goes beyond culture. This goes even to politics. Yes, when you deal with localization, you have to ask your question, what I am doing is, uh, you know, how far I can go. And when I go that far, am I going to lose some consumer base or not? Right. What can you have, you have the way... You have to weigh oh the goodness. risk versus rewards, uh, and, that, and that could be any service, any product, because I remember specifically in your example of they're moving in from retail stores in terms of like guns and say, we, mm. we're just not going to you know offer this anymore at our locations. You can still go out and get it at local. We just personally don't see the benefit anymore of carrying this sort of product line um, and just kind of washing our hands of it, which, you know, again, you're going to upset some people. Um, but as sellers, you have to obviously look at, you know, what, what, who's my target audience? You know, maybe it's not best to enter a market in that regards, or um, just from a third, a third party perspective on Amazon, don't enter a marketplace if your your product may be offensive, uh, or I, I say offensive, it, you know, it, it doesn't fit in a culture. And ultimately, you have to go in that kind of depth to be successful as a business owner, um, or even as a corporation. But I appreciate you kind of insights on that. I know we can talk a little bit all day about that, um, but you're a busy person. You're doing research and you're continuing to inspire the great minds of St. Louis University, but also uh, my, my one of my friends as well, uh, I'll, I'll say I was appreciative of him making that introduction as well. Uh, but for people who He's are- He's really by the way. <laughs> I'll make sure I text him after this and, and inform him like, hey, by the way, we just had an hour-long conversation only talking about you. If he's not watching right now, but uh, <laughs> he, he's an avid listener of the podcast, so I appreciate him connecting us. And uh, for for people who might want to like look at your research or kind of pick your brain or learn more of either a corporation or on an individual level, if they have products or selling online, what's the best way to to maybe get in touch with you or to learn more about like what you're doing? You don't have any. You have research out there or books available. Yeah. Is there anything that you would leave uh, our listeners or watch uh, our viewers today with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they want to reach out to me, all they have to do is just, uh, you know, actually uh, Google my name on uh, on, uh, on, on SLU website, Mamun Ben Mamun. There is a website with my resume and my contact information and my email address as well. They can just reach out to me from there, uh, you know, as well. 
And then if you go to People Finder and there's Lou, you will see my name uh, and you can contact me. Yeah, I'll be more than happy to uh, assist. If you have any question, even if one of the audience have any question about the topic of today, they can reach out to me as well. I'll be more than happy to assist. Fantastic. And we put that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, make sure you check out the show notes and we'll have a link directly going to the profile as well. Dr. Mamoun, thank you so much today for my your time. Pleasure. My pleasure. Thank uh, you for having your me. Insi- Absolutely. Your insights are invaluable. I, I think a lot of people just don't think about that all the time. But as e-business grows, and that's the, the phrase we're going to take away, don't just think about e-commerce, but e-business is a holistic approach at how to penetrate markets in different cultures, in different races. Um, but your insight is super invaluable or valuable to us uh, here on the show. So I appreciate your time thank you. uh, and hopping on today. Yeah, My thank pleasure. you so much. Have a good day. No problem. You too. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Mamoun. Again, that was he works at St. Louis University as assistant professor in the business school there. Uh, we talked about localization and cultural customization of digital content, not just for Amazon sellers, but also e uh, businesses who are looking to grow on e-business. Again, uh, I want to thank him and everyone else who is watching today and submitted questions uh, or thoughts. Thank you for watching us live on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And then also, if you're listening to this, go ahead and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, Google Podcasts, anywhere, again, where you can listen to a podcast. I'm Ron Kramer, the host of the show, Uh, crossover commerce this is episode 88 localization cultural customization of digital content we'll catch you guys next time on the show take care everyone